SAFM values your views. Be an active citizen. Brian Abana joins us on the line now. Brian, thanks very much for joining us. John, how are you going? Lekker. What's it like talking to the sports stars? Yes, dude. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I'm like a kid in a candy store, eh? To be brutally honest. I think, obviously, what MasterCard in terms of trying to create digital content and giving you know, their consumers an incredible amount of you know, experiences. But yeah, this was pretty cool for me. I was literally like a fanboy. I, I had to hold myself back. I didn't ask for an autograph. <laughs> it is pretty epic, and I think you know the coolest thing is you you sort of getting this human touch from mm. you know from sporting legends, and I think that you know, that message and the narrative that comes across is, is something really cool, and hopefully the you know the consumers really enjoy it. Mm. It's the one thing I found over the last weeks, so now that we've restarted the sports show, is with the lockdown, sports people have become more accessible because they're not really doing anything, and there's less pressure on them almost. Are you finding that as well? Yeah, yes, and no. Uh, I'm actually. Quite tired of naming my best ever rugby fifteen, being compared to Matadoli Mapimpi and Jason Colby, and watching highlights of uh, And I'm glad a lot of my highlights weren't in black and white, but they definitely weren't in HD. So um, yeah, I definitely think you know sporting celebrities around the world have become a little bit more accessible. I think as con- sponsors, partners look to try to create this digital content experience, mm. um, you know, it has opened up a whole lot of things. I do think we are all itching at the bit to see live sport again. You know, we've seen what's been happening with the Premiership over in the UK from a soccer perspective. Um, rugby in New Zealand has been phenomenal to watch uh, Super Rugby at Thrower over the last two weekends. So, I think, yeah, it has been good over 12 weeks in terms of getting more access to sports stars. But I think as sports fans, which I now include myself in a category as, I think we also just want to see live sport and be able to have that live experience. This, uh, before we before we move on, this this lovely talks that you're doing, people can send questions. So you're asking questions that anybody can send to ask super sports stars. Is that right? That is right. My grade standard ten. What's that grade ten? Standard uh, matric grade ten. Sorry, um, teacher English teacher always said there's no stupid question. Um, there might be a dumb answer. So <laughs> I think what is you know what is really cool is as these. Fans and supporters around the world have these questions that they're dying to ask. You know, some of the greatest, greatest sporting superstars that uh, their individual sports have seen. I think what is then cool is to get that answered by me to, mm. to the sporting legend, and in so doing, sort of get recognised on a global platform. That is, uh, you know, the mascot process experience, which is pretty cool. So, again, I've I've literally been like a kid in the candy store, and it has been extremely enjoyable engaging on a you know very humane platform you know with some of these global superstars and hopefully we can continue doing that despite um especially in the normal hemisphere the, the pandemic pandemic sort of having reached its peak so yeah it's, it's really really cool you must have been asked every question ever and even more in french which must have been fun are there questions that surprise you that people are asking sports stars Sorry, are you want me to answer this answer this one in French? Or you want me to answer it? <laughs> no, do it in English. <laughs> but we got we got we're playing a game later on. Relax. Um, yeah, I think it is always uh, the awkward question that you do get asked. I think for me throughout my rugby career, and it was like a lot of people. I think players of life, you know, professional athletes around the world, is you know, especially that Friday before a game day, mm. meeting supporters in malls or at restaurants and they're asking, are you ready? And you're like, no, well, then they were like, 
No, I'm not ready. Like biggest, you know, biggest game of the week. Like you know, biggest preparation. No, I'm not ready. Not what I do for life. Like, am I ready? I well, I, if I wasn't ready, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. So, yeah, you get you get asked quite a few random questions throughout the course of your career. Mm-hmm. But again, I think from a supportive perspective, you don't sort of know sometimes how to interact or ask mm-hmm. questions, and you sometimes tend to say the first thing that comes to your mind that might not always be. Uh, the smartest, but again, for us as and I'm not a former professional athlete, I think to engage with fans is, is really enjoyable. I tried the best throughout my career to engage as much as possible where allowed. Obviously, the discrepancy between trying to keep a private life, you know, being in the public spotlight, mm. is always a difficult one. I, besides seeing you on the rugby field and scoring tries against my beloved Sharks, uh, the, the one time I did see you, and I think it was after the 2017 World Cup, um, you you walked into a restaurant and the whole restaurant stood up and started applauding. How it was, I think it was you and your wife just quietly having, wanting to have a little dinner. How do you? Ha- how, what was that like? To must have been through three years when that was happening. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was my girlfriend then, so it definitely scored me a lot of brownie points, um, <laughs> and it uh, potentially made uh, romanticizing a little bit easier. <laughs> now, but take aside, I think you know, as a personal athlete, you you're really extremely privileged and, and fortunate to do something you love, get paid really well to do it. Mm. You know, and in so doing, you know, get recognition by not only your fellow teammates potential opposition, but the supporters as well. And you know, for us to be able to get recognition like that is extremely humbling. You know, we don't go looking for recognition, but when a real a whole restaurant sort of stands up and applauds you, um, you know, there's that warm fuzzy feeling um, within inside of you, knowing that you're doing something that hopefully is playing a bigger role than just what you're doing on mm-hmm. on the rugby field. And I think for me, it's, it was a massive privilege and honour to to represent my country, to do it on so many occasions, have achieved you know a lot of success because of the teams and, and people I was around. And, and in so doing, you know, I've hopefully left the jersey in a better place than what I did it. It was something that Jake White really harped on. Is it different in other parts of the world? Are South Africans maybe a little... Are they? Are we, are we more official or are we more uh, egregious when it comes to asking for autographs or, photo, or selfies? Um, I mean, I'm not that popular to ask the rest of the world, so I'm not quite sure what it's like. Um, again, I would have loved to be. I'm not quite, uh, I'm not quite where Sia Khaleesi, I wasn't quite where Sia Khaleesi is at the moment. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's sort of a hit and miss, to be brutally honest. I, in some places, it's pretty cool. You know, you go to school environments, and it's really difficult not to stop. And obviously, the modern-day autograph, which mm-hmm. is a selfie, um, I've still got to find the inventor of the, the camera phone because um, you know, me and him need to have a student talking to you. And he's made life really interesting for all of us. But um, no, again, you know, you, you're in the public spotlight and you know that with that comes a certain responsibility. And you try as best possible you know, to see how you can make someone say. But at the end of the day, you're also just human. And I think the public perception of people, you know, always having to be friendly, mm. um, you know, as sporting athletes, you also have bad days. Sometimes it's just one privacy. And, you know, when you have your family and your kids around, um, it does get a little bit challenging. And hopefully you try as best possible. Unfortunately, most of the time, the celebrity is always wrong, um, <laughs> which is which is tough. But you, you try as best possible, you know, to accommodate as many people as possible. But like at the end of the day, you know, we're also only just human. You know, we also just only want to eat our meal or finish, you know, finish chewing the food where you were chewing on. And, Hopefully, people can respect that, and, and in so doing, the the interaction with celebrities becomes so much easier. 
you were talking earlier about engaging with people. Tell us about this. This I've been browsing your Facebook page. This charity work that you're doing over the lockdown. Yeah, I think for me, it's in from a Brian Banner Foundation perspective. We all know how the food insecurity, in particular, has been highlighted through this pandemic. And I think for me, I've been able to have been provided a platform to use my brand to better people's lives. And, and in so doing, you know, what I'm doing is only potentially a drop in the ocean if you compare it to the likes of Asiya Khaleesi, you know, Chesan Colby and Justin Colt and the Be The Different Foundation, um, you know, the second page donation scheme. So I think in collaboration and showing that, you know, we can be citizens of solidarity or citizens in solidarity and show that we really can make a difference. I'm extremely grateful for the life that Rugby has given me. I'm extremely grateful that I'm allowed a platform to potentially help my fellow humankind. And I think, you know, we all took it out on life, no matter what avenue life took us down. If we all really come together as South Africans and try and make this a better place, a country that isn't divided but united, mm-hmm. much like we saw, you know, post that epic Rugby World Cup 2019 win, hopefully we can come out of this pandemic better, stronger, and more united. So it's been really, yeah, it's been eye-opening. I'm going into some of these really underprivileged areas and seeing massive food insecurity. And like I said, I, I definitely don't want to stop. I've, I've been really fortunate to partner with some incredible organizations, you know, Ozo in particular, who are not only financially allowing me to do that, but resources-wise, you know, CEO of a company going into these areas with me has been pretty epic. So I'm not going to stop doing it. Hopefully I can continue doing it for as long as possible. My guest is rugby legend Brian Brian Abana joining us here on SAFM. Uh, don't forget you can send WhatsApps and messages and SMSs if you have a question for this sporting legend who's also been talking to sporting legends. You're welcome to get involved on 41391. You can also send a WhatsApp on 0614-104-107. Hashtag SAFM Sport Tracks. Okay, Brian, I want to play a game with you if you don't mind. All right. Okay, okay I've got... Uh, we've got a minute, and I'm going to ask you questions. We were talking about stupid questions earlier. Uh, if yeah. my computer will start playing, I'm, it's, it's going to be like, yeah, uh, like a, a fast quiz. We have a minute, mm-hmm. and I'm going to ask you questions about you. You ready? Uh, am I only allowed to answer, or are you answering? No, no, no you're, you're answering. Answer. You're answering. Okay. Let's see how much really, Brian Abana really knows. I'm really bad at these games. I'm really bad at these games. Okay, let's go. <laughs> All right, we got a minute on the clock. The minute starts now. Your name is Brian Gary Habana, named after which two former Manchester United players? Brian Robson, Gary Bailey. Your major Curry Cup debut for which South African rugby side? The Golden Lions. Against which country did you score your first international try? England. What was the score in the Springboks opening 2005 test match against Uruguay? Ooh, 136-0. 134-3, good enough. You and Jonah Lomu hold the record for the most tries in a World Cup. How many? That's only in a World Cup, not in the World Cup. It's either 8 or 15. I'm not quite sure which one you're alluding to. 15. Cool. You played for two teams in Super Rugby, the Bulls and the Stormers. Which team did you play the most matches for? Ooh, the Bulls. Correct. Five more or four more. In the 2007 Rugby World Cup, who scored the most points for the box in the 15-16 win over England? 15-16 15 16 win over England. 15 16 in the 15-6. Sorry, 15-6 win over England. Sorry, which World Cup again? 2007 again? Rugby World Cup final. Yeah. Who scored the most yeah. points? Oh, Percy Montgomery. Percy Montgomery. <laughs> That's all right. I read the question wrong. Uh, I've got more questions for you. Who played? Uh, you played in the Springboks seven side four times. How many points you score in your four appearances? Ten. Fifteen. 
three tries. Uh, yes, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's what it you says. Sure? It's what it says in the Wikipedia. Oh, I mean, I only scored. I scored unsuccessful Africa. Ooh, we'd have to check that. I think only two because my first try was ten years after making my debut in 2015. <laughs> it was it was a Sheffield Africa kick through for my first one. And the second one was against Scotland, so I'm glad to know who the third there, one was. There are two descriptions of it, so okay, we'll double check that one. <laughs> uh, you're second on the all-time try scorers list behind Japan's Duisuke Ohata. Yeah. Okay. How, many, yeah. how many more tries would you have had to have scored to have the world record? Three. Correct. And where was the last test for the Springboks that you played? Uh, Italy was the Padova or Udine. Forenze. Sure. Forenze. Oh, Forenze. Oh, Florenze. Well. So, sure. yeah, I, I tried to get as much as possible. <laughs> thank you for reminding me, John. Thank you. That was not the best ending to, to my swimbox career, but thanks for that, John. That's okay. We're not bad. You got, well, in the minute, you got eight out of nine right. Well done, Brian Abana. Thank you very much. <laughs> 134.3. What was that like going into a Rugby World Cup and going with that opening series? Yeah, it was pretty interesting to go. It actually wasn't the World Cup. It was the oh, sorry, the, the 2005 season. Yeah, yeah so it was just the opening game of our international season yes. in June. Um, and as as amazing as that score is, Sundar um, Shavanga actually has a record from that game of mm-hmm. the most number of tries on debut, scoring six, sure. which um, was phenomenal. Uh, it was down in East London, if I remember correctly. And yeah, unfortunately, a year ago, I got a very strong Springbok outfit. It was an extremely hot and humid day. I, I think I scored two tries in that game. Mm. So yeah, it was pretty cool. 134-3 is not a bad run um, on in 80 minutes. Mm. Uh, <laughs> one, one of the reasons we've got you on as well is to talk about this 25 years ago little tournament that happened uh, around South Africa, the Rugby World Cup. Where, yes. were, where were you when all of that was happening? I was in that stadium. Uh, one of the fortunate 60-odd thousand to be sitting there seeing history being made, seeing a team unite the nation and seeing the iconic Nelson Mandela understand the power that sport had to play in bringing people together and breaking down socioeconomic barriers. Mm. So, yeah, um, a pretty watershed-inspiring moment in my life, which was uh, sort of totally against me wanting to go into playing soccer in you know, being an export to two Manchester United from South Africa and try to pick up the game of rugby. Was, was that the turning point? That was the turning point. Well, not really, because I only started playing the game a year later at King Edward. Right. And my first ever game of rugby was for the under-14 G side at King Edward. So A, B, C, D, E, F, G side. <laughs> sure. um, so it wasn't quite the, the, the fairy tale start that I would have hoped for. But yeah, getting to play a game that I'd been inspired to play just a year prior uh, was something that I absolutely loved doing. One of the things that comes through in any Rugby World Cup, and, and you've mentioned it twice now, is is, is the coaches uh, yes. that, that have helped you through. Uh, without mentioning mm. names, just how important is that leader, the one person who guides you, uh, if it was at school, and then I imagine through through your varsity years or, or your club, mm. how important is that in, 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 in the Rugby World mm. I think mentorship in rugby is extremely important, and it's done at various levels. You know, you have coaches, you have senior players, and you know, throughout my career, I had these really important figures on various different levels. And you know, people ask me you know, quite often, "How do you become a Springbok?" And I think there's three non-negotiables in terms of hard work, dedication, and sacrifice. Mm. 
But along the road, there is sort of a little bit of luck. There is um, people believing in you, people supporting you. And, you know, for me, I had many of those type of people and coaches and management and players along my career, along the course of my career, you know, right up until I, I retired. I think, yeah, it's, it's really important, you know, being able to have those mentors. You know, I had youth coaches who at under 19, under 20 level believed in me, you know, made me switch from playing scrum half to move to center. And, you know, that was a vitally important, something I wouldn't have personally done out of my own accord. And that sort of shaped my future. So it's incredibly important, you know, the role that coaches play. You know, Heineken May always had a philosophy of wanting to be a great coach and impacting his players, but forming and molding players for more than just rugby, for life in general. And I think, you know, a lot of coaches have that mindset. And I think that's that's really what makes the, the good coaches stand out. Uh, uh, uh. Talking about motivation, helping people through. We got a WhatsApp. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but being a player of color playing rugby in South Africa is that still a challenge, or was it a challenge when you when you were playing? And John, I think it's a difficult question to answer. It, no, it wasn't a challenge for me. I you know, got given the best opportunities growing up to make it success in my life, so I potentially can't relate to right. you know people you know who came from underprivileged backgrounds. Um, and that is a constant struggle. And, you know, for me, I got given the best opportunities to go to some of the best schools, best universities, and make it success of my life. And if I hadn't, it wouldn't have been down to any other factors bar me not being able to perform or succeed. And I think, you know, I don't sometimes understand the challenges of a Sia Khaleesi who, you know, when we were watching or winning a World Cup in 2007, mm. uh, was winning, was watching it in Aishabeen, in the eastern township of Zwedet because his grandmother couldn't afford a TV in his home. Or someone like, I learned this week, Makazoli Mokimpi, who for five years of his life walked 20 kilometers a day to and from school five days a week just to try to get an education. And those were barriers that I never had to overcome. And for my rugby career, I was was fortunate enough to be involved in um, Model C type schooling, university type environment. So... I definitely think it is a challenge when you know, the biggest part of our population potentially doesn't have access to mm-hmm. the facilities, the coaching, the structures that uh, a lot of you know, players do have. And like I said, it's difficult for me to answer that question because I wasn't you know, brought up in those environments. My guest is Brian Abana. Brian, if you can just hang on a little bit, we just got to take a quick ad break and then I want to talk a little bit more about what it's like uh, to play at a Rugby World Cup. SAFM values your views. Be an active citizen. You can WhatsApp for one. Uh, WhatsApp 0614-104-107. My guest is Brian Abana here on Sport Tracks. Uh, Brian, you mentioned, remind me those three things to become a Springbok? Uh, sacrifice, dedication, and hard work. That's just to put on the jersey. Now you're at a World Cup. What was it like when you get that phone call from the coach to say you're in the squad? It is, yeah, incredible. Um, you know, words don't really describe it because as a professional athlete, you want to be involved at the pinnacle of your sport and being a rugby player, a World Cup is, is without a doubt that. And you know, we saw as players the impact that 1995 had on not only, you know, Springbok rugby, but on the whole of South Africa. And for me, that was inspired. I wanted to really try to reciprocate that when I did become a player and, I'm extremely grateful that I was involved in an absolutely phenomenal side in, in 2007, a side that had you know, real legends you know, from 
one to thirty-two, um, yeah, in, in coaching staff. And I think for me, going to the World Cup in France in two thousand seven after a very bad year in 2006 where, you know, people tend to forget that we lost 49-0 to Australia a year after the World Cup. Mm. Jake Squad almost got fired on you know, that end of the year. So, you know, we went into that World Cup with a lot of mixed emotions, but went into that World Cup as a team with a lot of self-belief. And you, you needed to it earlier, the leadership around that contingent. You know, we had the likes of Jake Squad, but... You know, from a team perspective, we had a John Smith who was, you know, probably the best captain I've ever played under. You had the legendary Osterhansky, Victor Matfield, Farid Dupreer, who I believe, you know, should have probably been the player of the year that year. How, because of his powers at that World Cup, John Smith, Skullsberger. So we had a leadership called Percy Montgomery that, you know, really put our arrows all in the right direction. And, and everyone was, you know, at the ultimate best at that World Cup. And, you know, despite care against Tonga and Fiji uh, and a bit of luck with Australia and New Zealand mm-hmm. getting kicked out mm. um, going to that World Cup. But I think for us the biggest thing and everyone asks what's it like winning a World Cup this, you know, when the final whistle goes I think the immediate reaction is one of relief given all the sacrifice that you've actually put in to get that. But mm. you know, for any one of us involved in that squad I don't actually think we fully realise what was happening in South Africa being the tournament was in France and it was only on arriving back at Oratamba, seeing the reception we got, you know, seeing on that World Cup trophy tour around the country, you know, young black kids in the rural townships in the eastern Cape running two, three kilometers barefoot behind the bus just to get a glimpse of their heroes, sure. get a glimpse of hope, get a glimpse of inspiration to actually see, you know, what that World Cup meant. And I think for that, that, that experience in itself, you know, taking the trophy around South Africa was just truly priceless. It's difficult to remember, but you know, Twitter was just a year old at that time. So the social was it? <laughs> it was was two thousand and six is when it was invented, when it was founded. Okay. So yeah, I mean, we were all worried about how many Facebook fans, uh, friend requests <laughs> yes. we were getting. I mean, Twitter was the last thing on any of our minds, to be pretty honest. It, it just it just goes to show how imagine what it must be like to be a modern Springbok. You know, when when mm. not uh, it must be great when it's positive, but when it's negative, it's got to hurt you guys. Hey? I think you always try to see and take it where it comes from. Um, you know, everyone is an armchair critic, mm. and like you rightly say, you know, the rise of social media and the various different extremities of that, from Instagram to Twitter to Facebook to TikTok, if you're doing. But I've not yes. yet done my dance, so please don't ask me. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the various extremities, and it is difficult. I think you sometimes have to see where it's coming from. It does give keyboard warriors an easy access point to you, mm. but it also allows you the opportunity to voice your opinion. And, you know, you have to be very careful, unfortunately, what you do and don't say on social media, more particularly what you do say, because that definitely can come back to haunt you. But I think, you know, if you understand that, those are unfortunately a part of life now and you know that you need to balance that as appropriately as possible. And you have stuff like sponsors that you know, need you to potentially put out certain posts or tweets or mm. you know, show how much you support them in how they support you. And you know, it's it's this very unconsolidated platforms that um bring a wide attention. So it is difficult. I think the the, the most difficult thing is there's no real workbook on what is right or wrong. Um and I think it gives you an easy access point, but it also comes with a, a lot of responsibility. 
you made a great transition from being on the field and being very involved in a number of things off the field. A lot of charities. You're very involved with Laureus. You're doing the MasterCard thing now. Uh, was that an easy transition for Brian Abana? The transition there definitely is, you know, one of the most spoken about narratives in professional sports. And one is that is extremely difficult. You know, when you go from doing something you love uh, and work extremely hard at and fully focused on for a good 10 to 15 year period, um, it is always going to be a difficult one. I think for me, what I've tried, and I'm not saying I've done it 100% correct, is that you, I've tried my best not to find my identity in rugby. I think mm-hmm. I was able... And fortunate to have worked with some really good brands and collaborated and, and found certain synergies in what I perceive to, to be of value. So, you know, trying to create long-term relationships with some of my sponsors. And that has allowed me, you know, in this transition period to you know, really um, actually be busier uh, than I was uh, as a rugby player. You know, be involved in you know, being a MasterCard ambassador at, at the Rugby World Cup and you know, doing some punditry. Being, doing some stuff on the HSBT 7 series, you know, giving me an entry point into business, you know, launching a digital sports marketing agency um, and, and a fintech startup this year. So it has, you know, I really can't complain and I really am fortunate. I do think, you know, for most that isn't the case though, that, you know, there are only one or two, or maybe for last year in particular, there's only one opportunity uh, for one player to become a MasterCard ambassador at the Rugby World Cup because there was already set in stone Dan Carter, Michael Leeson, uh, you know, a few others in, in that position. So I am fortunate. Um, it has, I, I wouldn't say it's been easy. I have been absolutely horrendous from a training regime schedule. But do not <laughs> ask me when last I trained, John, because it, it that, might frighten a lot of people. You're, you're looking very fit, though, if those Facebook pictures are true. Yeah, no, Photoshop does wonders, eh? <laughs> <laughs> How have you been handling? Obviously, you're getting out and doing the charity work during the lockdown. What's it been like? You got a little young family? I do have like young family, uh, two little boys, six and, and two, and you know, lockdown has posed various many challenges. I think you know for those that are confined to their homes, homeschooling, you know, now being a parent and a teacher, yeah. um, I'm probably not the best because I've unfortunately de- delegated that to my wife. Given that I've had to do a lot of business stuff over the course of the last 13 weeks, but lockdown has had its challenges. You know, we've seen. Some scary stats around depression, you know, suicides, um, you know, gender-based violence, and, and everything happening at, at the present time. So, um, I just, you know, it's potentially when you have some space, when you you don't have to constantly be cowered by your environment. Um, so I can lock myself away in a room and, and do work for a couple of hours a day, mm-hmm. and you know, my kids potentially have a little bit of space to play around in the garden. Um, you know, that definitely makes life easier, and you know, it's, it's difficult to look at how other people who are in confined spaces and, you know, have really been adversely affected by this unprecedented time period that has been set upon us. So lockdown has had its challenges, but it has also been fun, you know, doing stuff like the MasterCard uh, questions of buying prices experience and getting to engage with sports stars and doing things that are really fun, creating digital content for your partners, for your brand, stuff you generally wouldn't have done I mean, I never in my life thought I'd try to put on a T-shirt upside down doing a handstand, for instance. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I had to do that three or four times. And, and the various amounts of challenges we've seen going around on social media. So it has had its, its, its negative examples. And I think for us as South Africans, you know, there's a lot of frustration, a lot of confusion, a lot of uncertainty. You know, we're, we're already in a, strug- a struggling economy. And hopefully we can all, you know, come together in solidarity to try as best 
to, to overcome this thing. Uh, very quickly, we heard the little bit of Wasim Akram. That's available, your interview now. Do you know who's next? Uh, so next is um, someone I'm really looking forward to. Uh, a French, well, he's, he's, he's played for France soccer and in that very victorious 1998 victory uh, in, in that French team with the likes of Zinedine Zidane. And mm-hmm. it's going to be the great Marseille Desailly, um, who is yeah, um, such a decorated footballer. And I think that I've met Marseille this quite quite a few times, uh, or Sal, however you want to pronounce it, uh, quite a few times at sporting events, Loris, uh, Loris Award ceremonies. And he is just the most, one of, maybe one of the most charismatic, energetic, friendly, humble, outgoing people that there are. So I'm really looking forward to engaging with him. I'm hoping he doesn't answer too many questions in French because my <laughs> French has gotten pretty poor over the last year since, since returning to South Africa. So, but yeah, a really fantastic character and I think someone that you know consumers around the world will really enjoy listening to. I just want to play you something. This is from an interview a long, long time ago when you were in top billing. I think you just moved to France and this was your French then. Let's see if you're better than this. Bonjour, ça va? Bien, merci. Deux crêpes Nutella, s'il vous plaît, et un crêpe uh, soupe, s'il vous plaît. Merci. There we go. Are you better than that now? Oh, plus facile. <laughs> uh, parce qu'en cinq ans derniers, le, le français, c'est pas très bien, mais avec tout le travail, avec le corps français, avec le français français, uh, en France, les deux dernières années, c'était plus facile pour moi. Et en ce moment, uh, je pense que le français, il est plus mieux, bien sûr. Right, it's been. A, I would say thank you in French, but I don't even know what that is. Thank you very much for merci, merci beaucoup. Merci, merci beaucoup. That's so easy. Thank you very <laughs> much. Nice to be pleasure. Thanks for having me. Have a good night. Cheers, Brian Abana. Brian Abana, one of the legends of rugby, joining us here on Sport Tracks. Ah, thank you very much for your message. You're very true. What a pleasure to hear more about not only a super sportsman but also a superhuman being.